Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me here in the studio this week is Nick Lamone. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And this week we're also joined by Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And Justin Davis. Scoop. We got a great show for this week. Uh, 2024 is just off to a great start. Not only did we get Prince of Persia a couple weeks ago, today, uh, Tuesday, January 23rd, when we're taping this, we both put up, we put up reviews of both Tekken 8 and Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, both of which got a 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. I want to play both of those. And then, of course, the game of the game of the moment so far is definitely Power World, which has just been an incredible success, and lots and lots of people are playing that, including Nick, for a little bit. So we'll talk about that as well. Yeah, we are uh, taping this on Tuesday this week because Thursday, when we normally record it, is my birthday, and I'm, I'm going to Disneyland. Ooh, nice. Huzzah! Happy early birthday. Nice. Early this week. So uh, lots to get into. But first, I have an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh-oh. I finally saw Godzilla minus one, and hey, and I loved it. And like everyone knows, everyone else, everyone else has already seen it. They know how great it is. Yeah, of course, uh, it's amazing. I think it's the best Godzilla movie ever made. Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, okay, so time to go to the theater then, dude. Yeah, go to that weird theater in Juniper Serra. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I mean, like I said, everyone has probably already seen it, and if not, you've heard about how great it is. In case you haven't heard why it's so great, they got the formula exactly right. It only took him 70 years. <laughs> so Godzilla is awesome. He's in it a lot. Right from the get-go, Godzilla is in it. There's lots of cool destruction and action. 
And then also the human characters are actually well-written and relatable for once. So even when Godzilla is not on screen, you're happy to just hang out with these characters because they're so likable and well done. This is the, mm. It's a Godzilla movie where you root for the humans. It's an interesting <laughs> setting too. Like post-war Japan is like such a unique take for Godzilla. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty solid all around. At its core, it's about people trying to pick up the pieces of their lives and move on after this terrible war. And just when they barely start to get back on track, then Godzilla. Then Godzilla shows up. <laughs> no, it's so good. Uh, definitely my favorite movie of last year, easily. And I think, I think it, you know, the Oscar nominations came out today. I think it should have been nominated for Best Picture. It's I, that good. I mean, just the scene that we just saw in the footage here of them, like, getting chased by Godzilla in oh, the yeah. jaws, like, Style, Jaws style scene, like yeah. just incredible stuff right it's there. Like cool it's so stuff cool. that you. There's like more stuff that you haven't seen in a Godzilla movie before, but maybe you've wanted to. Really? Yeah. There's like stuff you've like mm -hmm. wanted to see Godzilla do before, but you haven't, and you get to see him. There's before. interesting situations they find themselves in that are like, why didn't they do that before? That's so obvious, so cool. Yeah, there's really cool. How's stuff. our chonky boy this time? He's it's, he's pretty chonky. <laughs> uh, um, not as chonky as Godzilla, the legendary Godzilla, I think. Correct. Um, yeah, and this is probably the angriest Godzilla's ever been. Well, I think Shin Godzilla was a little angrier. Well, There's something evil about Shin Godzilla. I know what you mean, I know what you mean. But he, like, has a really angry, like, expression. Yeah, yeah. He's movie. definitely more emotive in this one. Yeah. He feels more like an animal in this movie. I love mm. so this scene that you're seeing here where he's chasing him. This is an amazing scene. I do think it's funny, though. There's a little bit of... Suspension of disbelief required because like they're in the middle of the ocean and Godzilla just stands up <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Yeah, oh really? <laughs> Nothing like, in the rule book says maybe he's treading water underneath, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's got great course. He's, he's a water polo water player in a former life Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla's very big, but he's not taller than the <laughs> deepest depths of the ocean <laughs> I mean, but maybe there's like an island like about to poke through maybe, right there. Maybe. Like, you don't know. I, don't know. I, I just thought yeah, that was... Yeah, they're near Japan. There's lots of islands. Wait, so, so is it nice to see a Godzilla movie without King Kong in it? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, finally. 100%. <laughs> well, it's easily better than any of the legendary yeah. Godzilla movie, MonsterVerse stuff. So much, so much better than any of them. I think bar for bar, the Toho stuff hits way harder than any of the legendary. No offense <laughs> to them over there in the at legendary. And it's, a, and it's a period piece, right? Yeah. So it just looks cool. Yeah. Yep, it looks cool. Great performances. It's not, it's a, like I said, I think it's the best Godzilla movie ever, but it's not just a great Godzilla movie. It's a great movie that will appeal to um, people who aren't even Godzilla nerds like myself. Also incredible hair on that scientist. Yep. Incredible hair. Good looking head of hair. They did it. There's a very cute video on social media today where, um, you know, they were nominated for a few Academy yeah, Awards and the core team was yeah. just so excited to like see, you know, and like the tweet caption was like, you know, just a reminder that these awards, like you can roll your eyes at them or whatever on a personal level. But for the people making the art, like it's still very meaningful for them to be recognized yeah. for it. Absolutely. Also worth noting that this movie completely embarrasses modern Hollywood blockbusters, having been made for $15 million. Like, it's just a <laughs> tiny fraction of the budget of... Wait, wait, wait. The CG and everything? Yeah. Yeah. The movies cost $15 million. It's crazy. No. Yeah, dude. It's completely insane. You and I could make that movie. <laughs> Let's go do it. <laughs> Very cute. Seeing that they uh, got nominated for best uh, visual effects, I believe. Yep. Anyway, it's great. Everyone, everyone out there has already seen it, but I recommend uh, Sam and Justin, you guys see it as well. Okay. I'm looking at movie times right now. <laughs>
<laughs> well, pay attention to the show also. It's going to make for good scooping. <laughs> uh, let's get into Power World. Man, this is only it's only been out for five days now, I think. It's sold six million copies. I feel like that number changes every day. <laughs> That's it nuts. Does. Does That's nuts. That's nuts. That's an astronomical first was, number. First, it sold a million copies in eight hours. And then it sold 2 million copies in 48 hours. And now five days in, 6 million copies in. This is a game that's also available on Game Pass. Correct. So not everyone has to buy it, but they're still buying it. Of course, the PC version is yeah. supposed to be the superior version to play at this point. But yeah, so 6 I mean, million... As we're recording... Th What's that? Oh, sorry, just as we're recording this show, like each day, it's growing day over day and it's concurrent viewers. So like, obviously, cumulative sales, they can't do anything but go up. But like the fact that like, you know, usually games have like a launch weekend yep. and then slowly stair step down. Like Power World is at 1.8 million concurrence Whoa. earlier today. And like that was bigger than yesterday. That was bigger than the day before. That yeah. makes it the second highest game for concurrent players on Steam ever. If you don't know, Steam stats are public, yep. right? So like, you know, people log them and store them. And so like it, it, it's it's like. It's just beyond like, oh, okay, it's a big hit, and it's yeah. becoming one of those like Elden Ring-like cultural phenomenons. Yeah, yeah, over 1.8 million concurrent players. Uh, that makes it the second most played game ever on Steam. Number one is PUBG, with a record that I don't. It would be really tough to reach. It's over. It's three over 3.2 million concurrent oh, back geez. in back in its heyday. Oh hate my goodness, game. will not be beat. Yeah, probably not. But man, I mean, like people were like, this was, I think it was announced at a <laughs> summer game fest, either last summer or the summer before that. Yeah, a while ago. People thought it was like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's a novel concept. I want to play Pokemon with guns. But it wasn't like, there wasn't like a long hype train for, for this, like there was for, you know, Spider-Man 2 or, well, I don't know, Starfield or Breath gets... of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. You know, it just, it, it didn't come out of nowhere, but I don't think people were expecting this. Right. I mean, I think the thing that gets me is that, you know, it is Pokemon with guns, but it's not just like it's not like a cheapy let's make Pokemon with guns, but it's actually like leaning into like you are going to exploit these cute animals and like put them to work in your minds. And like, <laughs> and, like it's really it's really playing up that kind of like, you know, but it doesn't do it in such a nasty way. It's kind of like a tongue in cheek way. Like it knows what it's doing and knows the tone it's going for. Yeah. And it's it's almost a little bit like darkly satirical in a way that like when it did just look like Pokemon with guns, like I didn't expect that at all to kind of nail that tone and that vibe. So that like, I honestly was not that interested in the game until I kind of learned that like, you know, exploiting these super cute animals for your own kind of capitalistic game, like the game leans into that attitude and that positioning that makes it a lot more interesting to me. Not, not because I'm some evil person, but just yeah. like you're it's a just Factorio a Factorio fan. You're not an evil is, person it just, it, yet. <laughs> wow. No, it it just it makes it a lot more interesting from just like a just like the stance the game is taking to me mm -hmm. than just kind of than just kind of being a gimmick. It, it certainly awoke something and I learned a little bit about myself when I was playing the game because I was like, okay, I got my base of operations going, all my pals are mining, they're they're contributing to the Nick Lamone cause. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed one of my pals, because when you're in your base, it shows you the progress of everybody, how they're doing mentally. And one of them says, uh, one of my <laughs> pals was, he decided to start slacking off. And the second I saw it, I was like, well, this is unacceptable. <laughs> I need to make a, I need to prove a point. I need to, you know, make an example of him. And you can 
Also, <laughs> execute your pals in front of other pals and eat to their corpse. Oh to set God. an example, motivate people, yeah. as as it were. You can <laughs> you can eat them. Like this game, this game knows what it's doing. Where like it leans into like the Dark Lord element of like you know the juxtaposition of these super cute animals and then you exploiting them and putting them to work. Like you know, it, it's it's interesting, right? That it's it's just. It's fun in sort of like a darkly humorous way. One of my pals developed an ulcer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was like, bad working conditions? Who's to say? I, you know, I run a perfect, perfectly reputable company over at Nick Lamone Enterprises. It's fine. It's all good. I'm taking care of my pals. I haven't gotten a chance to play it, but I want to play it. Maybe tonight, actually. But Nick, you have been playing it. Yeah, I have. A little bit. And is it true? It's not really Pokemon with guns. No, it's no. It's more like... Arc no. survival with Pokemon. Yeah, it, it's definitely more leaning into the survival, like, uh, crafting style game. So, uh, me, personally, I'm not a huge uh, survival crafting game kind of guy. I'm not a big tree puncher. Um, that said, this does alleviate <laughs> a lot of the, the tree punching sensibilities that I'm usually sensitive to. Because, as you can see here in this footage here, you can place... Um, different contraption stuff around your base and then you have to build it this is usually where a lot of the survival crafting games take me out of it all the tree punchers is the time it takes to build something <laughs> where you have to hold the button down you're not moving and then you have to wait 40 seconds for a thing to get built but what pal world won me over on is that when you have pals at the base they'll run over while you're building something and contribute to it and heck even if you walk away they'll continue building it so you can basically make a fully autonomous base while you go about doing all the fun stuff like exploring all your pals back at home they can do all the more menial tasks like uh, farming they can do lumber gathering all that stuff that usually turns me off of these games so as long as you can kind of manage this small team of pals you can kind of do whatever you want in this game as long as you know obviously it fits within the the schematic of the game mm. and you're playing you're playing the game pass version right yeah i am playing the game pass version on pc uh, mostly because i was like well, I don't know, you know, given my history with these tree puncher games, I'm, I'm not big in them. The last thing I want to do is spend 27 bucks on Steam. So I was like, I already have Game Pass, and I have it on Game Pass on PC, so why not? Yeah, that's where I'll check it out, even though it's supposed to be a little bit behind. It, it is behind compared to the Steam version. I think that has to do with the way uh, Microsoft handles the hot fixes, because I'm sure those have to go through CERT through Microsoft, and you know, that takes time, whereas Steam developers are able to kind of push those hot fixes live. Also, one big discrepancy I noticed, because we have Pal World here in the office on our uh, Steam, our, my coworker's Steam account, and uh, I noticed that the Steam version has DLSS, DLSS support, whereas the uh, Game Pass mm. on PC version does not have that currently. Mm. So that's a big one. If, if, if you need a DLSS to assist with your uh, game fidelity, then you might want to opt for the Steam version. For now. I mean, it's such a, I'm just, I'm so glad that the game, you know, turned out to be good, right? Because again, I know I kind of already made this point, but like it could have just been Pokemon with guns and it's silly and it's a gimmick game that would have its moment in the sun. But like, you know, it's a little bit of Pikmin, you know, it's a lot of like, you know, that survival crafting game, which has become, it's the biggest genre on earth now. It is a little bit of Pokemon. Like, you know, the fact that you're, that they programmed it in, that your pals could have ulcers it's like they knew what they were doing right <laughs> like they're going for a vibe that's like very deliberate and you know good on them like there's a little bit of controversy around obviously like are they too close to pokemon like you know and that would not be cool mm -hmm. like you know make an original game make your own character designs mm -hmm. like 
Um, and, and, you know, that maybe some of them are kind of AI assisted, which would also, in my personal opinion, not be super cool, but, you know, by and large, I'm glad that they made a compelling game instead of just making a gimmick. I like to see, a, you know, a relatively unknown developer come in and be so disruptive. It's interesting. Like every other, most publishers, you know, they would kill to have this sort of success and this amount of buzz and, and attention for their game right out the gate, you know, and like pocket. Well, right after the day before happened. Yeah. That was only buzz and all this stuff. <laughs> they, they had to make a statement that this is a real game before releasing it. <laughs> to, to Game Pass, by the way, which should indicate that it's a real game, yeah. even, whereas Steam does not, frankly. And, and you can put whatever the hell you want out on Steam or on the Nintendo eShop. Yep. It's all purely hypothetical, but I do, I do wonder if like all the accusations on the internet surrounding how this game has, however they came up with their PAL designs, I do wonder what... You know the the folks over at Microsoft in charge of bringing this game onto Game Pass are thinking like, you know, what does that look like if, for whatever reason, Power World ends up getting in trouble for those kind of plagiarism. I mean, it, it means that it already passed the most legal proceeding mm-hmm. like hurdle that could ever exist. Right. Like, that, that's why Microsoft I, is letting it be published. Like they they did their work. Like who, who is who's upset now are fans. Fans do not like the idea of Pokemon not being on Nintendo systems, even though that's not what this is. And they also are so attached to Pokemon and Pokemon designs that they think it's lowbrow or offensive to be, you know, using these designs. Look at Digimon. I'm speaking for people on our staff that feel that way. Yeah, but it's like, look at Digimon. All these designs look very similar to Digimon, too. 100%. That's a a point that I've made several times. We want, like, I really really want to just stress that there is nuance here between, you know, like, you have these cutesy animals and they look kind of like pokemon but they're all original designs versus you can go too far you can have designs where like they copied pokemon and they took it too far and they broke the law and it's unethical in a way that like they could have made this exact same game but if they had their own bottoms up designs Mm -hmm. that aren't sort of deliberately like you know we have pokemon at home that aren't pokemon knockoffs like you know there's 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 nuance here that like i think the dialogue will continue to kind of emerge in the days and weeks to come of like some of those side-by-side photos when i look at them you know i'm kind of like uh like guys (laughs) like you couldn't yeah but you but also parody complicates this right because if you're going to admit we are just watching a a parody film together actually everybody here that very much used parts of other movies because it was allowed to because it's parodying them and you know the closer this gets to being a cynical commentary on you know the enslavement of pokemon which is like Completely valid. Pokemon actually are sentient creatures that are <laughs> kept in balls for dogfights, right? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, that's worth parodying. And if you're going to parody it, well, the closer you can get to, you know, the Chin Pokemon version of Pikachu, <laughs> the funnier it is. It's super defensible, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you, you, it's all about the context. So, like, even if the, the creatures look exactly like Pokemon, the fact that they're in a, in a dark context would actually pass muster on a cover of Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it passes muster here depends on a lot more than them just looking like Pokemon designs. And where yep. was this kind yeah, of that's like... That's a great point. Oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry. No, I was just echoing like, yeah, that's a, that, that's a great point. That was, that was it. <laughs> and, and I'm curious though, like, you know, obviously it's due to the massive success of Power World, but, you know, were people this upset with stuff like Temtem, which was basically copying the Pokemon formula, turn-based, yeah. collect-a-thon style. Bug snacks. Yeah. Much closer to the Pokemon gameplay, but actually more original 
creature designs. Yeah, exactly. But but right. like, if anything, I think Game Freak and whoever you know is it works on Pokemon games. Like, I think the next logical question that I'm thinking of is just what can Pokemon learn from the success of Power World? And it's obviously not <clears throat> put guns in Pokemon, which. I mean, that maybe is that actually the answer because I would sell the gangbusters, but I think it's maybe a Pokemon survival crafting game, like a po yeah. make a Pokemon tree puncher. No, I completely agree. I mean, look, like the what Pokemon can learn from Power World is such an eye-rolly headline. <laughs> Unless, like, look, like if you come at it with like an actual good positive intent. Legitimate. Like, of, like, like this was popular. Well, you just have, we, we, no. we have PTSD from that headline, <laughs> though, know, right, yeah, Justin? Yeah, being around <laughs> That's <laughs> very, very true. But, like, there is, like, you know, the last couple 3D Pokemon games have been technical disasters, right? And That's so, like, yeah. this game th this game is really beautiful. Like, I think, again, as someone, like, you invoked it earlier, Sam, like, I really love Factorio and those kinds of games. Like, I'm really intrigued by the fact that you can keep your pals busy and assign them to things and have them doing things. And there's a reason to go out and collect them all. You're not just using six at a time. Like if there's mm, a Pokemon a game point. where the other 140 Pokemon are off doing something for me in like an animal crossing like way, mm -hmm. like that's what sort of like rustles my jimmies from a video game perspective. You know, the, the, the most surprising thing in the development of this, even before the numbers started going crazy is that everybody that touched it, pre-release that we got access to loved it they're like mm. i didn't want to thing. love this game because <laughs> i just i was just doing my job here but like i cannot stop playing it and it's so good that's like yeah. when does that happen yeah. even right. when do just a bunch of people just try a game that we didn't really have on everybody's radar for any other reason other than its meme ability and they're like i can't put this game down it's so fun yeah our review is I mean, still I in like progress but our, you know, you can read our review in progress on the site, and it's already very positive. I, I think really my only complaint I have with this game is the three different art styles that seem to clash with each other with your player character, the environment, and also the pals. They feel like it's just mm. kind of all clashing, like Unreal Engine, you know, store-bought assets <laughs> and whatever. Like, this game <laughs> looks like all of those videos that we see on online of, hey, we recreated Ocarina of Time in Unreal Engine 5. <laughs> and it, it kind of looks totally. like that, but I'm like, it did, but it doesn't look great. <laughs> yeah, Link, Link looks like super deformed or something. You're like, what's happening Like, this here? game looks like it's everything missing else a shader. Is super hyper-real. <laughs> like, there's yep. shaders missing here. In terms of... Yeah. You know, the backlash against it, if you will, by Nintendo fans and Pokemon fans. Aside from the, you know, the, how similar the pals are to Pokemon, do you think there's something to be said for Pokemon fans being frustrated with how unambitious Nintendo and Game Freak seem to be with Pokemon and not wanting to yeah. innovate? And also the more recent uh, entries being sort of unforgivably buggy, being they're made for just one single platform? Yeah, totally. absolutely. I mean, I think that's a completely valid, you know, valid perspective and sort of uh, uh, adds to the discourse around Power World. Yeah, mm. I'm a huge Pokemon fan. I mean, I'm, I'm a product of the 90s, so I was like uh, raised on Pokemon. And, you know, the, the frustration I feel like when I got Pokemon Sword and Shield, when I got Scarlet and Violet, it's the thing that I want to kind of re capture, recapture that nostalgia I had back in the 90s. Mm. But just running into systems where it's like, no, it's... It's still designed for kids, which I, I can understand that. But also, like, 
I don't know. I don't remember these games being this buggy when I was a kid. Uh, so it, it wasn't as janky. Whereas, you know, looking at Powell, it's like, well, it doesn't always have to be the same way, you know, spoon fed the same game over and over and over again. And granted, Scarlet and Violet does have a little more open world, free form gameplay, allowing you to do gyms in different orders. But like, I don't know, man. I loaded in the first hour, two hours of that game and clipping through the floor and having Pokemon, you know, fall through the cracks of whatever a part of the map I'm on. It's just, it's kind of embarrassing, I think. I, I just like, how do you let a product like that yeah. go out? It, it's especially yeah, performance stuff is especially bad too. Performance wise, it's um, like 15 frames a second. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not exactly well designed. Like, you know, sometimes it's balanced by art style or whatever, but no. That's, that's not <laughs> happening either. It looks strap. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, I have a, I have a, a single, I've, I've been steeped in the guide for this, even though I haven't got to touch it myself yet. I, I do want to try it out. Um, and, and, you know, it's weird cause I actually don't like crafting games. So uh, every other thing about this appeals to me. I like, I like the, the concept of like, you know, uh, catching a bunch of Pokemon, um, that aren't Pokemon. Um, there is a, uh, <clears throat> uh, apparently the best way to, you really need to level up fast to do a bunch of cool stuff and, and get better, uh, critters. But to do that, ten of every pal, no more. Yep. Catch, catch them. Catch as many as you can up till ten, and then it's the mission returns. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. That's, that's the current strategy for really good XP. I watched Scoop. Stella's wonderfully made video about it, and I was like, I know what I need to do now. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's so popular. Like the fact that it's popular has become part of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's reached that level of success where like now it becoming this phenomenon is like the discussion point almost as much or more so than the actual game itself, like 6 million units in a few days. Like the, the, how many billion dollar, com- like did Jedi <laughs> survivor, like did the, the whatever, whatever that game was called last year, like did that sell 6 million copies? Like every, every big publisher is taking note of this and be like, what, you know, Sony, we got to put more guns well, in our games. Like, what <laughs> what right. are you guys doing? And, yeah. And like, and like as usual, they're gonna draw the wrong conclusion, right? And like not get the they just they're not gonna get it. Like you know, sometimes the grassroots, like sometimes something not being polished and being a little bit rough around the edges is like mm-hmm. part of the appeal in a weird way. And that indie nature of like we're gonna make something like a little bit weird and a little bit niche, but in some ways that actually is what enables it to sell through mm-hmm. these millions and millions of copies. Like these kind of like streamer bait games like it's a thing think about the unseen subscribers and we were talking about this earlier but like do you think this is like game pass's biggest bump ever like why 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 pay any more than whatever it is 14 bucks or whatever to just play this game for a month you know like it's like it's it's amazing that they got this out on day one yeah I don't know why I was picking on Jedi. Like, like, take your pick of game that came and went last year you know Resident Evil whatever like Power World is going to outsell all of them almost all of them (laughs) in a few days yeah you know what's nuts is that there's a another highly loved and sought after game coming out this week in Shrouded. That's a craft crafting game, and I say love because it was part of Steam Next Best, and it's been the like a top five wish listed game all year. That's coming out this week. Can, cool. Like they must be bummed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's rough timing. Uh, well, I also like. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Damon. Oh, just like the, the kind of closing thought is like, you, you know, we're still in the game's opening. We're still discovering the game, discovering the pals, discovering the tricks. But it couldn't possibly be more a more expandable, extendable game. 
right? Yeah. Like, and that's oh, just yeah. that's just really exciting yeah. and cool that like it's going to be here with us. It's going to be Gen two for like you know for years, oh right? Assuming they don't get sued into oblivion by Nintendo's you know giga lawyers, like you know <laughs> this is like this is this is just a thing now. Well, breaking news, everyone. iGen's final review of uh, the Steam version of Power World just went live, and we gave it an 8 out of 10. Nice. For an Great early game. access game, that's pretty nuts. I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 and early access got a 7. Yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> so when this is all well and done, maybe it'll be another 10. Possibly. Wow, yeah. that's exciting, though. That's fun. Um, yeah, I think. Also, if you're playing, go check out our map. It's amazing. The map for Power World is a really well made map uh, from a mm. very, very talented team that got way out of it. It's ev- yep. everything Power World is really um, blowing up on IGN. The number one thing on IGN right now is Brian Altano's op ed about is it fair to call it a Pokemon ripoff? Then from that Power World guide, you've got how to breed pals, best pals to catch early to mid game. Uh, Pal World technology list and how to unlock. Uh, it's just everything Everything on the site right now that's performing is related to Pal, Pal I World. I need to keep Nick Lamone hooked. They need to give me lore. I need Pal World lore, please. I want to know why oh, this world so exists. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, what about the enemy force, the syndicate? The syndicate, yeah. What's their from? story? Where'd they get all those handguns? Where'd they get all those machine guns? <laughs> Who are the biggest weapons dealers on the island? I need to know all this information. You'll have to wait for the movie coming from <laughs> Sony Pictures, 2028. The final record that it's uh, set this week is Power World is now the most played Japanese-developed game on Steam ever. It beat, it beat out Elden Ring. We're, there. We're, re, we're delaying Final Fantasy VII Rebirth to add survival crafting <laughs> mechanics to the game. <laughs> they just need to add Moogles. More Moogles. Yeah. Put them to work. Dancing. All right, so Power World is out. It's huge. It's an 8 out of 10 from IGN, but two more games got reviews today. That's Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, and Tekken 8, and both of those got a 9 out of 10. I want to play both these games. Um, Maybe let's start with Like a Dragon, which, Nick, I know you've been playing. I have been playing, and I have beaten it. Oh, my gosh. It is is a long game, but my God, (laughs) from beginning to end, that game had me smiling from ear to ear. It left me in tears multiple times. I think that Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth is better than Like a Dragon in every conceivable way. Wow. And I think that this is just another textbook example of turn-based RPGs are not dead, my friend. They are still here, and people are innovating and uh, evolving them. And I think Infinite Wealth is a perfect textbook example of that. It is so much fun, and like every Yakuza game before it, it is so generous with the amount of content that it gives you to experience. And it's all meaningful. I mean, speaking of Pokemon knockoffs, there's a whole whole mini-game side quest called uh, Sicko Snap that is just Pokemon Snap, but you are taking pictures of weirdos in Hawaii. It's incredible. In Speedos. And there's Sujimon, which is a full-on, you can collect all these strange men that are scattered throughout (laughs) Hawaii and then battle them in turn-based combat. So there's a Pokemon game inside the new Yakuza game. There's a Pokemon Snap game inside the new Yakuza, and there's so there's a crazy taxi. There's so much stuff in this game, and also is it? You didn't even mention Animal Crossing and Animal Crossing. There's Sega Bass Fishing. There's a a Spike Out and and Virtua Fighter 3TB. 
What, just, is the Animal Crossing thing the island game with like its yeah. own title yeah, screen? Yeah, Dondoko Island. Yeah. Yes, and I didn't. I did <laughs> what not, is it? it? In my, it's like Animal Crossing. It is straight you build, up Animal you build Crossing. Buildings and, and like. <laughs> it, it's like Animal Crossing combined with Legend of Zelda to some extent, where you have to like fend off enemy. Uh, what are they called? Washbucklers who invade your home. So you have to like bat them away and fight them off and build your island. And the more you build to your island, the more you recruit other iconic Yakuza characters. So it is, again, just we are spoiled with the amount of content that is in this game. Well, I mean, you touched on something earlier. I was so happy to see in the review, uh, you know, Nick, you're mentioning just like look like yakuza 7 it's a great game right like everybody really liked it but it was a little bit of like a little bit of like a gimmick and a little bit of them being like haha like it's not going to be a brawler this time Mm -hmm. we have this new silly rpg combat system whereas this one i'm so excited to read that like no this is actually a really really great like capital r rpg like one of the best actual turn-based rpgs that's come out in a long time that stands you know, it doesn't have to just rely on like the silliness of the lore and like the storyline and like, you know, it, it actually like just from a gameplay perspective, like RGG Studios has sort of come into their own as like a top tier RPG developer kind of out of nowhere. Like that's that's so exciting to me. And, and like so can you can you explain to me how we can get a Yakuza or a like a dragon or a spinoff game like <laughs> once or twice a year? We can't that that's like the biggest, most critically lauded game you know, like big in size, like actual, like a long, like extensive RPG <clears throat> game. But we can't get a, a, an Elder Scrolls every 15 years. <laughs> I've, I mean, yeah. how did they figure this out? I mean, how did this, how did they figure this out? Every Yakuza game, well, I mean, eight is maybe not a great example, but they, because they reuse, I know you're kind of making a goof, but the actual truthful answer is that they reuse locations, right? Hmm. They revisit the same cities mm-hmm. and locations over and over and over again. And like Sega's managed to sort of pull this magic trick off where that, you know, the, My the, God, the, gameplay. the same character models, the same music, the same cities, the same. But like in this game, instead of that being a, a criticism or a bug, it's a feature, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. people are excited to go back and revisit and be like, oh, like I want to talk to the shopkeeper again that I haven't talked to since the last game came out a year ago. And like. You know, how has it changed? How is it different? Like the city has become a living, breathing character of its own. And so um, that lets Sega kind of get away with a lot of asset reuse that like other developers might be sort of panned for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but obviously, I, like, again, I said that maybe that's not a great example this time around just because it is in Hawaii, which I don't I think that's a new city. Like, I don't think yeah, any of the other is the first time they've been to uh, uh, Hawaii, but. Yeah, to mm. your, to, you 100% nailed it, Justin. Like, it, it is, they get a lot of mileage out of using Kamurocho, Ijincho, Sotenbori, mm-hmm. and all these places that we've been to before. But they do a good job of mm-hmm. recontextualizing locations we've been to where, you know, in one game, this one building was always closed down, but another, now you can finally go in and, you know, different factions mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but, like, it, it, it is kind of weird. This game is, it's difficult to recommend as, like, your first Yakuza because like so much of this game is built on the fact that it is the 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 previous series main protagonist Kazuma Kiryu teaming up with the new series protagonist to tackle on the story together. So there is a lot of mileage that comes from hey, if you've played previous games, and there's a lot of wonderful callbacks to some pretty like 
profoundly beautiful moments with Kazuma Kiryu because it is somebody who's gotten older, you know. Uh, when, when Yakuza started, he was a much younger lad, and now he's grayed out and still a badass. But uh, there, there's just a lot there that I want to talk about more. But again, there's, it's, I, I'd be too worried of spoilers. But there's just so much goodness to be had in this game. And look, you can throw somebody into a car. And if you don't like the turn-based <laughs> combat, when you're Kazuma Kiryu, later on in the game, you unlock the ability to turn the game into a traditional brawler oh for a brief That's period amazing. of time. And it's like, what a smart adaptation of everything Yakuza is. Like, that is a perfect encapsulation of what makes Yakuza so special. They're not afraid to get silly by doing some pretty groundbreaking stuff in that regard. I mean, it's the ninth mainline Yakuza game, even though it's eight because zero. There's the prequel that came out. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of remakes that were basically brand new games. There was also some spinoffs. There was two sort of historical games that took place in the samurai era of Japan. And yet somehow this game is what, the 12th or 13th game in this formula? And it's arguably the best one, the best one they've ever made. Like, that's unbelievable. That, that? Like It's not just completely tired and played out by now. <laughs> It's, there's so much goodness to Dude, be had. I'm getting really excited to play this. Sam, I know you liked Like a Dragon as well. Are you going to play Infinite Wealth? Well, is that okay just to only have played yes. like, you know, half of Like a Dragon and then roll into this? 100%. 100%. I think that if you want to get like everything that this game has to offer out of it story-wise, it might mm-hmm. be worth watching like a quick TLDR <laughs> on the Yakuza story just to get familiar with That's Kazuma Kiryu. Because I think Kaz, like Yeah, because I'd never heard of that character. Yeah, Kiryu is like... Like, Kasuga Ichiban is, like, the homie, but Kazuma Kiryu is, like, he'll take care of you no matter what. He's, he's, he's always down for anything, good dude through and through. And you'll learn I love Hawaii it. as a setting, too, and it's, like, Hawaii plus, like, the streets of Japan, which I, I guess would be, you know, I don't know. Hawaii does have islands like that, which is just interesting to me. It's a great setting. There's a lot to explore in, like, A Dragon Infinite Wealth outside of Hawaii. Cool. Just talking about it and seeing this footage is getting me very excited to play that. And there's no, jobs. We didn't even touch on the job it. class system. You can turn into a Desperado. <laughs> you can turn into an action movie star whose outfit is Bruce Lee inspired. Like, there's so much wild stuff in this game that's just so clever and smart. There's dungeon crawling. There's just over-the-top summons. Ah, mm-hmm. Good stuff. Action star. Well, I also want to play Tekken 8, and I haven't played a Tekken game since Tekken 3. I'm scared. In the original mm. PlayStation, why are you scared? I'm not a fighting game guy, but I want to play it oh, so bad. I'm not a fighting game guy either, <laughs> oh. but I like a good single-player yeah. story mode in a fighting game. Like I'm, I've also been playing Mortal Kombat 1, enjoying mm-hmm. that immensely. Uh, and Tekken 8 is supposed to have really great um, single-player content. There's an arcade quest, and then... That's kind of surprising to me. Super Ghost Battle. Yeah, I, I mean, like, like I said, I haven't played a Tekken since Tekken 3, so I don't know how, uh, mm. how common it is for these, this series to have good story modes, but um, Arcade Quest uh, it, it gives you a, a crawl through various arcades, and then your avatar that you create moves through different opponents while slowly learning about Tekken 8's mechanics. Oh, that sounds cool. Then do you know about Super Ghost yeah, Battle? Yeah, it does. I don't know, but I'm interested. Uh, you challenge a CPU that's it's built with AI from learning, it watches you and learns your play style. Oh, wow. And you can train your ghost by fighting against it to learn your own tendencies. Uh, you can download and play against other ghosts from other players, too. That's so smart, and that feels like a thing like, wait, has any other fighting game done that before? Uh, that just makes sense. I just think AI has gotten that to the point the where thing it can in, um, do that. 
Oh, what was the rate? Was it Forza? There's a racing game franchise that supposedly, I don't even know how true this ever was, but supposedly like, like if you're racing against, like I'm racing against Paris ghost and like the ghost races the way he races, right? Like either aggressively or passively. And like, so like a fighting game version of like, you know, this person sweeps the leg a lot. Therefore their AI is going to sweep the leg a lot. Like that's pretty clever, right? Oh yeah. That's awesome. And it's a great way to learn, you know, where you, your weaknesses are. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it dodges the issue of like, you know, CPUs in fighting games are really exploitable and kind of predictable. And like the only way they can really win once you get good enough at the game is kind of just by cheating, right? Like you can kind of cheat your way through the AI, but having the AI, you know, sort of perform more human-like of like this, this, you know, they're going to throw a lot. They're going to jump a lot. You know, they're going to do, you know, special moves a lot. Like it adds a little bit more spice to to the AI fights. Like I said, when I was playing Mortal Kombat 1, if I can cheese an enemy in a fight. I have no problem. <laughs> if I can just kneel down and punch, just mash a, a punch <laughs> button and then just win, I'll totally do that. No problem. 100%. I have no problem getting on my phone. <laughs> um. <laughs> Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Your tasty proteins are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready. Choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon, just to name a few. They also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious, boneless 10-ounce ribeye steaks, I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon fillets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash gamescoop120, code gamescoop120. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Pal World. Tekken 8, Like a Dragon, Infinite World, so many good things uh, to play right now. But I want to look back. I have an, I have an update on my endeavor. Mm. I'm, I'm, I said last year I've embarked on an endeavor to determine what is my favorite game of all time. Back into mm-hmm. the Mind Palace. Yep, it's something I, haven't, I hadn't revisited in a long time. So I'm trying to just, what is my favorite game of all time? And as an exercise, I was trying to come up with my favorite game from every system I've owned. Anyway, I'm not, I don't have the answer yet, but I'm getting closer. I think I have a short list of 20 games. Okay. That I would consider my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. And when I really try to scrutinize this, I can't imagine removing any of these games off this list. Although there are like other games that come to mind as like, well, that could be on there too, but I don't know. I've gotten it to a point where I don't know what I would replace. Okay. And this is you don't have to. You can just keep adding to it. I, I know. Well, but I want to eventually find out what is my number one. <laughs> so it has to. It yeah. has to get funneled down somehow 
And I'm doing this all emotionally. This is not based on like, what was the most important or how influential was this game? This is just me personally, the games that I've had the most fun with, that I have the best memories of, and that I still like to play today. <clears throat> so the list of 20 games alphabetically <laughs> that I have so far are either Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. One of them, but I don't know which one. Well, that's a conversation in itself. I, know, huh? I know, but it'll be one of those will be on this list. Dead Cells. Okay, hold on, okay. hold on. You've already skipped past the Bs and you forgot Bionic Commander. <laughs> I know, but it's like, how many NES games should be on here? And I've got um, Mega Man 2 and uh, Shadowgate. And Double Dragon 2. Okay. Hold on. Well, obviously yeah. drop Double Dragon 2 and add in <laughs> love, Bionic Commander. I love Double Dragon 2, but okay, okay. I'm adding a note. <laughs> There has, I know, this is this is the problem. Damon, you just gotta go in a dark room, hang upside down, blindfolded, and repeat this list this verbatim, by memory, and if you forget a game, then it's gone. Okay, okay. that's a good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, Breath of the Wild or Tears that's of the Kingdom. That's a great test. Dead Cells, which I really, even though it's great more game. recent, it's, I, I think I could play it forever. And it's got all the pieces. That one. It's got the great pixel art. <laughs> It's Metroidvania-ish. And they added uh, Castlevania, has Castlevania in, in it, so it's like, it's perfect. Disgaea. Wow, mm -hmm. that's a... Mm -hmm. Just just Disgaea <laughs> Vanilla? Well, they, they re-released yeah. it as Disgaea Complete, so... But, yeah, I wrote that one. That's yeah, a good game. Great game. I'm going to include an arcade game, Dodonpachi. My favorite shmup, mm -hmm. a game sure. I'm happy to play anytime. Very good. Donkey Kong 94. On the Game Boy. Mm -hmm. Then Double Dragon Just 2. Just the D's still? Then Double Dragon 2. Okay. Which, okay, I could... I'm aster, I'm putting an asterisk on it, but I love Double Dragon 2, my favorite brawler, and I love the music. Elden Ring. Wow. Might be surprising, but yeah. Wow. I think it's one of my, my 20 most fun experiences I've had playing a game. Ghost of Tsushima. Hmm. Wow. That surprises me too a little bit. Well, it's, you know, consider like... I love open world games. I love Japan. I love being sneaky in games. It's just got all of, it's got all of that in there. Sure. Half-Life 2. Yep. Inside. Mm. Mm -hmm. KOTOR. Mario okay. Odyssey. Perfect game. Solid. Mm -hmm. Mass Effect 2. Mm -hmm. Mega Man 2. Perfect Dark. Arguable. Shadowgate. Shining Force 2, and that, mm. then we're down to the last three. Oh, King, Sam didn't like Shining Force. <laughs> Great game. Sam doesn't no, like No, no, Shadowgate. I just think it's always weird that you put on Shadowgate. I just, yeah, I Damon loves Shadowgate. I love, I, I love Shadowgate. It's not the best NES game, but I love Shadowgate. The Final Fear is Splunky. <laughs> wow. Splatterhouse. Yep, I remember that era. And mm -hmm. Symphony of the Night. Pretty it's a good, good list. list. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously it's a good list, but yeah. So, Bionic Commando's a good note. The other one that keeps me up at night is Portal 2. <laughs> it's like, what, is Portal 2 on there? Where, where would it go? I don't know what would, what would it replace. Lose Mass Effect altogether. Throw in Portal 2. <laughs> I mean, Mass Effect is one maybe that I could replace. I love Mass Effect, don't get me wrong. But I'm like, like, do I want to play Mass Effect 2 in 2024? Nah. It's I'm good. Yeah, what? So no, it's got, it's is there not fame. a single Super Nintendo game on there? On my 20, I guess not. Gasp. Yeah, I guess I didn't. I, yeah, and I don't know that I would add one. I don't know that I would, you know, Mario World or Super Metroid or Link to the Past. I don't know that I would bump any of these for. Stunt ones. Race FX. It looks like it's <laughs> real life. <laughs> 
Anyway, that's what I'm working with. That's, a, that's where I'm at right now with this exercise. It's a very damey list. Well, I think you're going to have to think about, I might not, but like do it however you want. But like, I think that what, like, here's my advice to okay, you that okay. you didn't ask for, but I'm going to give to you. Yeah, yeah, please just add factory. <laughs> I mean, you got it like Splatterhouse is on here for a specific reason, right? Because of the vibes and the ultra violence and the sprites huge. Mm-hmm. But like there's certain games that are the whole package, right? There's the games that deliver the presentation, but also the gameplay. And also like the gameplay in Splatterhouse isn't anything super special, no. in my opinion. No. Like you got to have the 360 as you're getting <laughs> down there when you're jump. When you're narrowing this 20 down to 10 and then down to 5, that's what it's got to be. The 360 view of what games are the whole package mm, yeah. have it all. All right. Well, you I've, still get your gore in Bionic Commando. That's true. Which, <laughs> that's actually a really good point. Only only one of those games has Thane in it, though. I can't believe the Mass Effect 2 erasure happening in this, in this <laughs> podcast I right love now. Thane's so, he's so cool. Thane is cool. And so is Garrus, but... You know what? Sometimes you got to make a hard choice. <laughs> Maybe I would replace Double Dragon 2 with Bionic Commando. I'll consider yeah. that, Sam. And then, and then you've made no progress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you just got to repeat the name out loud, names on this list out loud. If you forget one from your top 20, it's gone forever. But there's so many other games. <laughs> These, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to throw out games that did not make the top 20, like Super Hot, Slay the Spire, Skyrim, you know, Tomb Raider. Cyberpunk, uh, Dead Space Peggle, Re- Dead Space Remake, Peggle, of course, like Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Into the Breach, God of War 2018, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. Oh my God! Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow. You know, Burnout Revenge. The, Contra Force. All the golf games, the Hot Shots golf games, the Mario golf games. There's so many that I've already mm. whittled out. What was the Contra game? I can never remember the name of. Hardcore. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Good game. You just gotta get you just gotta get really into you know little simulation colony games like me, and then it would just be Dwarf Fortress. Dwarf Fortress, and then your decision. What's your favorite? uh, What's your favorite Streets of Rage? Two, but I like Double Dragon Two more than that. Really? Okay. And then my favorite brawler is Splatterhouse. So maybe that maybe that's the reasoning for taking Double Dragon Two off. I already have a brawler on there with Splatterhouse. Mm -hmm. That's true. You can you can can do these games in head-to-head matchups and cut the list down that way. That's true. I like doing that too. I was always way way more into River City than than Double Dragon. That just worked for me more. I'm gonna have IGN or uh, engineering create an IGN (laughs) face-off. Everyone can vote on your uh, only games. (laughs) Only I will do it, and that will determine. (laughs) That's so smart. That's a pretty good idea. (laughs) Okay, extra. You know, Damon. Just just real quick, you can just make that. It's not an engineering thing anymore. I can make a face-off? We should just do it. You can make a face-off, yeah. There's a, I, we have the tool for it now. And I can use it without publishing it? So I can actually use it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we have an internal it. version of it. I'm going to do yeah, it. And maybe, I can walk you through it. And maybe I'll record it. Record a video, yeah. yeah. And maybe that'll be... That'd be fun. Maybe that'll be good. <laughs> With your microphone, because we need to hear your out loud musings yeah. and reasonings, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. It's not just going to record the, <laughs> the clicking. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> I like hey, this. I'm just a producer. You look at the, mou- the mouse cursor, it's struggling. <laughs> then you can make your own story yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I like this. This will be a good project for me. Okay, extracurricular activities. I have two anime recommendations. I know uh, Nick has watched both of these as well. They're both on Netflix. The first one is an older one from 2020. It's called Dorohedoro, 
Mm. Doro Hedoro. Uh, I know you watched this. I just finished it. Uh, Sam or Justin, are you familiar with Doro Hedoro? No, well, I've never heard of this. I saw your tweet, and okay. that was it. Okay, it's about a guy who has a lizard head, <laughs> but his human head was turned into a lizard head by a sorcerer. And he's obsessed with finding the sorcerer that did this to him. And he has his help. That blonde lady there is his friend. And she's a badass fighter and also makes really good gyoza. So they're trying to find the sorcerer that did, they're trying to find the sorcerer that did this. <laughs> but there's a lot of sorcerers and they live in their own realm. And they can pass back and forth to like the human realm, which they call the hole and their own sorcerer realm. And then you get to learn about a bunch of the sorcerers that live there. And they're all very interesting, wild people. And the tone of the show is very silly and goofy. But it's also super gory and violent. But because there's magic involved, a lot of the violence can just be reversed and people are flying again. And it's great. Oh, wow. Doro Hedoro. Yeah. Does it does it have like a complete, like, does it end? Or is it well, like... Well, so season one was in 2020 and they oh, just yeah, okay. announced season two four years later, so... I think okay. season one does serve as a nice, like, self-contained kind of arc, though. Got it. Uh, Who's that skull guy? you get what you need. That skull guy is a girl. Cool. I love heart man. The heart guy's head. So good. Yep. Just wearing a heart for a head. I love it. And he wears it backwards too. <laughs> so good. Why are these sorcerers turning people's heads into stuff? That's a good question. That is a good question. <laughs> All the sorcerers wear masks yeah. too. And each one has a different mask and they don't really explain why they do that. They have perfectly normal faces underneath their masks. It usually means you need to assassinate them all one by one and you get a little map screen that shows where they all are. <laughs> Yeah, something I learned about uh, the anime scene in Japan is that Cowboy Bebop is like not that popular or well known or like beloved over there. <laughs> like it doesn't have the same cultural cachet that it does here in the United States. It's like it's the equivalent of like everyone in Japan being obsessed with like Frasier or some yeah. show from the 90s like that we don't ever think about or talk about here in the US. The other anime I want to recommend is Delicious in Dungeon which is actually airing right now alongside, uh, it was being simulcast in Japan. So I think there's been three episodes so far. They're coming out one episode a week on Thursdays on Netflix. Premise here, so this is great. It's, tr it's Trigger, the studio behind uh, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, and Kill la Kill. And adventurers are going on an adventure in a dungeon, and uh, the mage in the group, who's the sister of the, this guy, the main adventure, like warrior guy, she gets eaten by a red dragon, and in her final act, she, trans she teleports them out of the dungeon to safety. And so they need to go back into the dungeon and rescue her, because I don't know why it's taking so long to be digested in a red dragon's stomach, but they need mm -hmm. to go back and rescue her. But they're all out of money. They have no money to buy food or supplies, so their plan is that they'll just catch and cook monsters in the dungeon. But they don't know how to do that, and they cook, they catch a giant scorpion and make it, and it's terrible, it's inedible. So they befriend a dwarf who is much more experienced than them, and he knows how to prepare all the monsters in the dungeon. So it kind of turns into a cooking show also, because the the, they go into great detail with the dwarf explaining how you prepare a slime or a basilisk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great. That sounds amazing. It's really good. It is my all-time favorite manga. Um, I, it has just recently <laughs> finished its entire run, so it is a complete story. It's 97 chapters. I just read the finale like two days ago, and it is from beginning to end. I think there's no misses throughout this entire uh, show slash manga. Uh, it, it is very much predicated on vibes. It is a very smart <laughs> look at, like, you know, like a like wizardry style fantasy, like that kind of dungeon crawler experience, but it's all focused around like the logistics of 
a dungeon as an ecosystem. So, hey, you know, if there's water running into this dungeon, where is this water coming from? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, how do the monsters like feed? How do they, uh, you know, what's the chain of command? Like, what is the order of operations within the dungeon? And this entire That's story so is very much like a smart look. Like, it, it's a very particular type of dungeon master who's like, no, I've considered all of the logistics <laughs> of how this works and it all makes sense. And it is so just clever and just charming great slice of life like you learn everyone has like a lesson they learn so it's a good thing and no fan service i'm a big no no when it comes to fan service where it's just pervy for no real reason in anime this has none of that and i'm a big fan big fan for it also the mangaka ryoko kui uh she has a bunch of like one-off mangas that she's written and they're all just so good she's so talented i'm so happy that she got to to get an anime adaptation from Studio Trigger and composed by uh, Yasunori Mitsuda of Chrono Trigger and Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, amazing. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. even realize that. So is, is this like a PG show or, or yeah. R? It's PG. No, there, it's, there's some gory, like, like monster violence, but that's about it. Like there's like Medusas and stuff. So there is like the suggestion of breasts a la a Final Fantasy style sprite but it's not salacious or anything like that there's boobs all over final fantasy yeah yeah but it's it, not like kill a kill or cyberpunk yeah. edge runners there's no no horn dogness yeah. in in it all it's all just very cool. played straight it's good the one thing i would uh say is that the the episodes are short they're 25 minutes long and there's only one episode a week so maybe you'd want to wait a little while mm -hmm. so you could watch the whole thing that might be worth it too but because I, I like it so much i'm like ugh. I want to watch more and I have to wait a whole week. Yeah, each chapter seems to be, or each episode seems to combine about two chapters from the manga. Yeah. Okay, anyone have any other extracurricular activities to share? I'm mid-succession season two. Oh, yeah? Let's cool. go. I don't, I don't think any of the kids are going to win. <clears throat> I don't even want to say. I don't even want to say nothing. I like win. I like how um, you put it, win. None, even yeah. by this point, none of them deserve to. So, like... What am I watching from here on out? What a treat. Wow, oh, what dude. a treat you have it gets, in store. It get, it, it, there's some hard watching ahead in like a good way. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Well, because... Oh, man, we'll have to offline about it. Now, <laughs> I, I, just, I can't remember when certain things happen, so I don't know if it's happened yeah. yet. Yeah, so. uh, well, I Roman is taking his, uh, his, his management class, which is a good <laughs> plot right now. Also, the and, dude from um, Severance is Shibs, in his management class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then yeah. Shiv is in the office for the first time, and she's like super jealous of you know of Kendall, who's like at the bottom of, of the curb of like in his life. So like she has no reason to be. She, she it's so funny. So the, she immediately yeah. screws up her opportunity. Yeah, hundred okay, percent. my feet. That's you know that's oh, you, you could um that would be the same. That's a summary of every season of Succession. <laughs> it totally is right. Brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Gavin from Texas. Let the questioning begin. <clears throat> hmm. C could this game have conceivably made it on your like short list for favorite game of all time, Damon? Could it have? What, what's yeah, could it have been considered for it? Like, is it is it anywhere in like the ballpark? Is it in, could it have been in the mix? No. 
Now this game come out before Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. No. So wait, Fast no. that game came out in what, 2006, 2001? Three. Three? Three, okay. I would guess. Two, maybe. Uh, okay, uh, is this game playable on the Nintendo Switch? Yes. Oh boy. Is this game an RPG? No. Is this game like a survival crafting game? No, that's five. I thought it was, thought it was Minecraft there for a second. Is, is this, this a console exclusive? No. Multiplat. Boy. Gavin. I don't think we're on the right track. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Um, So this game's playable on the Nintendo Switch, but was it new? Was it released for the first time in the area of the Nintendo Switch? Yes. Okay. So it's not some Nintendo Switch online. Would you call this an indie game? No. Oh, weird. So maybe it's like Wolfenstein or something? Is this game... Well, okay, never mind. And we know it's multi-platform. Mm-hmm. Is it helpful to know what other platforms? I mean, it would have or to be know. PS4 just... and Xbox Series consoles and PS5, right? Wouldn't have to be. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, one of the, one of the two. I mean, I guess uh, it could be a mobile game and a Switch game or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Was this game made in Japan? No. I was thinking maybe uh, like some of the streaming, it's like Resident Evil games and stuff like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Was this published by Ubisoft, Square Enix? No, no. Let me think of that as again because the, no, because there's plenty of Square. Was this published by Ubisoft, Square Enix, EA, or Activision? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but which one? <laughs> Is this game a third-person action game? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> hold, hold on. <laughs> is it a third-person action game? Yeah. Is your question? Maybe it's maybe because I'm thinking Assassin's Creed. It, I can't get off of Assassin's Creed. Yes. You could, what Assassin's Creed is I, on Switch? I wonder if that tripped Damon up because they're 2D games, side-scrolling games, third-person action games. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they have the Assassin's Creed. Uh, I think they have Assassin's Creed Three. Three. What were the yeah. four? What were the four publishers? Ubisoft, Square Enix, EA, or Activision? Correct. Yeah. Is this a Ubisoft or Square Enix game? Yes. Is it a Ubisoft <laughs> game? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. I don't know if I don't know if that was worth it or not. But... What if it's just the new Prince of Persia? <laughs> uh, yeah. Could be. Could be an Assassin's Creed. Damon said yes to third-person action adventure, but it it was uh, a little bit of a weird one. Or action, I shouldn't should say. Is this game a Metroidvania? Yes. <laughs> is it the new principle? Well, I mean, we won't get there yet. Is this a game a uh, a new entry in a long dormant franchise? Yes. That's <laughs> oh, is yes. this is this Prince of Persia: A Hat in Time? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, that's not the name of the game. <laughs> you know, I think it's the Lost Crown. It, it is. It still counts. Prince of Persia: The Lost Crown. Yes. Yeah. Gavin from Texas thought that would be a funny game since we just <laughs> mentioned. Uh, well, we've been talking about it really recently. Recently, we mentioned the um, the funny set oh. of Persia last year. It, well, it was yeah. also the one week. Sam, this is the first week you haven't mentioned it. No, I mentioned it at you the did. start. I said, "Did this come out 
before Prince of Persia. Oh, yeah. oh okay, okay. That's right. <laughs> this is my I, clever I, twist. This is on my short list. Before... Which probably threw Damon off a little bit when I asked him. I, yeah, I wish you could have said oh, before Final Fantasy. come out before The Lost Crown. I got to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> Very good game. Have you finished it yet, Sam? No, it goes on. And like it gets difficult. And now I'm having to make calls in it. Whether I played a lot last, I play every night. And last night I played a lot and I was playing a really tough puzzle that our team had like already done. It was like, a, it's like a two minute platforming, just disaster piece. And um, I finally like stopped because basically you have to, wa- you have to watch a video or play it 30 times because each time you have to know where to like set your prints marker to miss this thing. You have to like, basically it's hard to explain. You haven't played the game, mm-hmm. but it's bullshit. Right, like you have you have to either play it thirty times or watch a video. Like there's no other option. You you can't just get good. You have to do this. You have to get wrong thirty times to get it right. So I looked up what you do in it and where you win for it. Sorry, and you get uh, a costume. So I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Right. So then, so now I'm making decisions. Now I'm like, okay, I'm back on my exploration. I'm going to like big things. I also have like really high. Like I did a bunch of exploration for life bar. And for attack power, which I highly recommend both. But then I'm like, well, a bunch of the other things that I'm getting right now are like, the, they're like missile tanks, but worth the worst. They're the, the Xer- Xerxes coins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Xerxes coins. Like, I don't need those. Mm-hmm. I just don't need them. So like, now now I'm trying to mainline a little bit. Because there's a lot of things I want to play and watch. Even based on this episode alone of GameScoop. Not that you would use it, Sam. But you know there's a, a feature where you can um, skip the platforming sections. No, I knew there's a feature you can turn on where the, um, you know, the the next big destinations are, and that's just that's just what Metroid does by default. Yeah. So I thought it'd do a lot more than that, but it doesn't. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. How does it do? How does it work? Do you just float? No, it, it it creates a little portal at the beginning of the section, and it'll warp you to the other end. Cool. So like, I don't. Oh, that's, that's cool. So I, don't, cool. I, don't, I don't use it, but I, I turn that feature on so I see the portal, just so I know where you're. Okay, going. this is this is going to be a platforming section. Maybe I don't want to do that right now. I'll come you back could, to that you later. Could pause. Yeah, exactly. You have to psych yourself up for, yeah. for some of them. They get so hard. So th- what's cool is that even though I skipped that one I'm talking about, that's not indicative of what I've been doing. I've really solved everything until now. It's just now I'm like, well, I don't need ex- I don't need to do these side explorations as much because when I'm going to my main things, they they're getting so difficult to traverse mm-hmm. to get to the main areas that like that's that's giving my my fill for the evening. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing in Metroidvania is when they have the the Hollow Knight Path of Pain, mm. the thing that is just yep. the hard as hell platforming challenge. I love that stuff. I eat it up. Yeah, like the shine. There's like the uh, shine sparking stuff too, which is just like super painful in Metroid, where you have to like you know run up those little inclines oh, and duck yeah, and then save right. it and then go up and then duck. Like those are actually kind of my my favorite puzzles in like any game ever. I love those and like. Like for our last Metroid guide, I captured all all of them. Like those are the ones I did the. Even though I reviewed the game, I was like, I'm just gonna do these That's while I'm doing sick. this because I love it. But this game, I'm not as like married to this game as I would be to a Metroid game, which I always 100. Mm-hmm. percent I, I don't need 100 percent this game. I've determined, but I'm very very much like 95 percenting it right now. Yeah. Great game. The map is the map. I mean, I have I have to compare it, but I just feel like it's Dude, so much bigger than like Symphony of the Night. Damon, oh, it wow. gets so much bigger than I even thought already. And last night I played this part, which is a frozen in time ocean, Whoa. and it looks so cool. <laughs> and you're like platforming around these like giant tsunami waves that also have parts of boats. In what them. am I doing here? What and am it, I doing? Still it, listening it to is, this? I got to play this it is game. The, it is like one of the best looking like 2D. I know it's 3D and that's why it looks so good levels I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. 
It is so cool. Great game, 2024. It's off to a good start, not wasting any time, just throwing lots of great games at us. Yeah, yep. Thanks, 2024. All right, that is all the scoops that we have here this week. Viewers, listeners, if you have your own suggestions for 20 questions, email them to me at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. And thank you to Nick for joining me here in the studio. Thank you both Sam and Justin. And thank you to Jobert working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. Real quick, we lost IFB on Damon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. I don't want to say anything about the ending, except I'll say it's so good. It's so good. Like, it completely, like, the show goes from strength to strength, and you're like, surely they won't, like, stick the landing. But it mm-hmm. completely does in every way. And, like, has the exact opposite effect of, like, a Game of Thrones that, like, shits the <laughs> shits the bed on the ending so much that, like, yeah. I never want to rewatch the show where, like, Succession's the exact opposite. Nice. Yeah, there's a consistent oh, vision the for that show that... It was very like mm-hmm. plain to see that they had a clear outline of how it would end. Mm-hmm. So it's hitting those points. Really? It's just you like, think so? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's like it's a candidate for like most satisfying, good like conclusions and climaxes to like a television show ever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's, it'd be hard to write that feature because it's just a spoiler. Like it's just spoilers for every show. But like best finales, it would be up there for sure. I hundred yeah, percent agree. Yeah. That final season is masterful. I think from beginning to end too. I just also think think it's nuts that that show has a wealth consultant where it's like, uh, no, rich people wouldn't wear this. They would wear this. Wow. It, that's crazy. It, I, I have a lot of questions about that type of yeah. production of like the ultra wealth. That, that makes sense. No logos. One of the key. One, no logos. And we, yeah, one of the no key takeaways things. was that um, many, many ultra, ultra rich, pe- rich people either don't own or never have a coat just because they go directly from mm-hmm. their car to their plane to their car to wherever they're going inside. And then there's a guy in season four that doesn't wear shoes. He's got like the extreme version of that. There's only eight more days to see Godzilla in theaters. The site, their own website has a countdown until it's out of theaters, which is really oh, cool. That's weird. What it's about like, the but black just keep and white it. version that's coming after that? <laughs> I think black and white version. Yeah, that comes after. Yeah, that's soon. I just can't wait to own that movie on like a 4K disc. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to say it on, I don't care to do this on extracurricular activities, but just very quick. We started watching Rings of Power. Uh, we were like, my wife and I were both like, let's give it another try. And then we yeah. both fell asleep. We both fell asleep. <laughs> that is. Yeah, I tried so. to get my wife to watch the last three episodes because there's like actual interesting moments in lore that happen in them. And she yeah. fell asleep immediately. Yep. Yep. Same here, man. I love Lord of the Rings, but that show made it a chore. Yep. It's kind of a lore chore. <laughs> <laughs> chore of the Rings. Uh... What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. 
Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.